Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The hang-ups we have today. Welcome into episode 200 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. The Sources Say Podcast is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Tom. Thompson. Look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, live from Condado Tacos at the Summit at Fritz Farm. KSR is excited to partner with Condado for our Bahamas coverage. KSR will be on the scene at Bahamar Resort as the Kentucky basketball team plays four games to get an early start preparing for the season. The Bahamas trip won't be all basketball, so follow along for all of the fun events at the resort as as well stop in to see our friends at condado to try some of their summer features like the mango guacamole or chicken bacon ranch taco yum they've also got happy hour deals like the six dollar house margaritas monday through friday 3 p.m to 6 p.m we love tacos at ksr so the partnership with condado was perfect to fuel our crew for the big week of bahamas coverage thanks condado uh, for this special edition episode 200 of the to say podcast i brought on taco aficionado <laughs> none other than drew franklin of kentucky sports radio first off drew how about that dinner we just had a phenomenal dinner at condado we got tacos we got margs how did you enjoy your evening uh, i loved it and i've been wanting to come to this place for a while uh they've been here in the summit uh fritz farm for a long time but i live on the other side of town so it was nice to get over here i will definitely be back and I'm glad, uh, you know, I'm not telling on us, but we might have had some to-go marks here, too, as we talk a little basketball. We may be drinking those to-go marks <laughs> as we're recording this, but uh, don't tell uh, don't tell anybody. But uh, we will tell Condado that because they uh, are awesome. We had a blast talking to our waiter, uh, Ethan. Ethan. Poured uh, some of the best drinks I've had and you know, brought out some of the best food I've had in quite some time. So we are grateful for their partnership. And I, I don't want to butt in. This is your show. But did I hear this is number 200? Because I need to give you a congratulations on 200. Loyal listener here who is, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, as the kind of the old head at KSR, very proud of what you've been doing for Source to Say. And I'm excited to be here for number 200. 
uh, episode. Well, it, it, we're very grateful to have you on, and it's a big one because we are here to talk about Kentucky's open practice that we saw at Rupp Arena. Uh, it was a, a, a pretty much an exclusive practice for only the people that were there in person because the uh, TV coverage did not show a whole lot of, of basketball. So we were there. <laughs> we got to see it in person. We had a great time watching it. Uh, so, Drew, just kind of some of your early takeaways. What did you think of the Cats' performance uh, in our first viewing of, of this season's team? Yeah, I felt like we were very lucky to be there in the room where it happened. Uh, I think a lot of people were left, uh, not to pile on the broadcast, but there was a lot that wasn't seen. But you and I saw a lot of Antonio Reeves and Jacob Toppin. I know we keep saying those names over and over. But with being a unique team where you have an Oscar back and Wheeler back, we kind of know what those guys are. I mean, Oscar wasn't going to do anything in that scrimmage that was going to impress us any more than what he did last year in real games. He did hit a three, though. He did, he did one, a three. One three I'm not going to let that get me get carried away going into the year. And he did get a great ovation and signed autographs for two hours. But Jacob Toppin looked like a completely different human being than the Jacob Toppin we've seen since he's been here. He's had those hops forever. He has those Toppin genes. His dad's a, a street ball legend. We know he can dunk. But that jump shot looked like a guy who wants to go to the NBA. Yeah, and I, I, you know, the talk last year was we've seen the spurts. He, you know, showed what he could do against Duke to open the season. Uh, you know, we saw little brief you know, flashes of brilliance, but we never saw continued, consistent growth. We didn't get to see long stretches. And, you know, part of it, Drew, I think, had to do with him playing behind Keon Brooks. You know, Keon played his role. He did it very well. You know, he did what he had to do during his time at Kentucky. But we've been waiting for kind of that breakthrough opportunity for Jacob. And I think we could see that kind of freedom with him playing on the floor where he was, you know, taking shots in transition, hand in his face, corner threes. You know, he was bringing the ball up the floor and driving, dunking on people's heads. He had that windmill in transition. We just saw a side of Jacob Toppin that we just have not gotten the chance to see uh, during his, I guess this is going on to his third year uh, on campus here in Lexington. Yeah, and to your point about being the guy, last year, I think late in the year, it was a fair debate, Brooks or Toppin, but that was Brooks' spot. He earned it. He had it most of the year. He was always going to be the starter. And when you're reserved, you know, you're just kind of waiting to be called. And when you're in, you're on a shorter leash. You're messing up, not having a good game. It's to the bench. But you're he's now training and going through this whole summer, coming off those NBA, NBA workouts, knowing I'm, I'm the guy. People have to come take my spot. And that confidence is showing. He's always been a confident guy, always been very outgoing, almost to a fault. I think Cal's even used the word immature a little bit because mm-hmm. he kind of cuts up a little bit. Nothing too bad but has an outgoing personality. Now he's doing that, but he's a veteran and a leader and has confidence in his game. And I think Kentucky fans are going to be very excited to see uh, Jacob Toppin 2.0 in his senior season. And we watched, we talked about Antonio Rees and just kind of how he was the breakthrough, kind of, for my money, the MVP uh, of last night's scrimmage, where, look, and coming from Illinois State, he was an 1,100-point-per-game, 11, 11 or not point-per-game, I wish he was an 1,100-point-per-game <laughs> scorer, uh, but a career 1,100-point scorer, uh, you know, average Average 20 points per game last season uh, playing for Illinois State. We've seen, you know, what he could do at that level, but there were a lot of concerns about what he could do making that jump to the SEC, competing against that size, that length, that speed, that athleticism. Could he still be that dynamic three-level scorer that everybody kind of hyped him up to be last season? Uh, you know, he was seen as one of the top transfers in the uh, in the transfer portal this offseason. Could he make that jump? And I talked to people behind the scenes close to the program that said, you know, actually, he has made a jump 
the, the transition from Illinois State to Kentucky has been easier for Antonio Rees than the transition from Davidson to Kentucky last season for Kellen Grady. Uh, Kellen didn't really show off what he could do until October. There was, you know, I remember that Drew Pro Day, Cal kind of called out uh, called out Kellen Grady in person, like on the national telecast and said, uh, yeah, Kellen just hasn't been enough for us and we need him to be bigger. And we were like, dang, we never hear Cal single out individual players the way he did. And obviously Kellen turned into the player that we, you know, knew and love and he was that dagger three-point shooter for the majority of the season. But it's, it's really good to see that, uh, A, with our own two eyes, Antonio Reeves was that three-level scorer, the confident, you know, break you down type of talent that could score on you at all three levels, uh, but that the, even behind the scenes, the, the transition from Illinois State to Kentucky has not been uh, too much to overcome. Yeah, I've probably just in my own brain been a little unfair to him. I've had him just a little behind everyone else because you don't know, as you're saying, how a transfer is going to come from that conference to the SEC where might not be the best basketball, but it's the most athletic basketball in the country. And last night I went into that game, as I do every blue-white game or scrimmage or madness, saying don't overreact to anyone. I feel like there's years Derek Willis had 90 points, and you know there's always a, a false hope at these. I, I get to the Rupp Arena doors and I see the reflection of my face, and I have this talk, don't overreact. But I get inside, and just seeing how he was in control with the ball – because that's something that's, you know, seeing in a scrimmage in a game, that's something he's doing. And that showed me as a ball handler that that's a guy who can, heck, maybe can even back up Xavier Wheeler, which would be an insane lineup. But he mostly impressed me with just his moves and being in control and comfortable when the ball was in his hands. Yeah, and you know, one of the other guys that really stood out to me, we, we've we been waiting for this moment. There was so much hype about C.J. Frederick and his return to the floor, and uh, you know, he dealt with his injuries at Iowa, and, and it's been a, a difficult road for him to actually make it onto the floor. We finally got to see with our own two eyes a live five-on-five scrimmage with C.J. Frederick present, present, and he was as advertised as a three-point shooter. And, uh, he comes in as a 47% career three-point shooter coming from Iowa. Um, and, and you really got to see that shooting confidence, the catch-and-shoot looks. You know, He was running baseline to baseline, looking for open looks. And every single time, uh, whether they fell or not, he was no hesitation, ready to let that thing fly. I think there's a lot of pent-up almost like, you held me off this damn court for way too long. I'm ready to let this sucker fly. It was his first chance to uh, kind of let it all be known that, you know, yeah, I am the shooter that you guys hyped me up to be. Uh, so it was really cool seeing him be comfortable enough to get back on the floor. There wasn't hesitation with his leg, you know, with his, his hamstring issue that, that he dealt with last season. Uh, he was clearly confident running up and down that floor and ready to let those shots fly. Yeah, he's in a unique spot because every year with the turnover Kentucky basketball, there's newcomers, usually five-star freshmen. Here recently you had transfers. But he's almost like a newcomer to us on the court. But, I mean, he's a guy that played a couple years at Iowa, been on the team, heck, played at Rupp Arena in high school. So he's a veteran. But just seeing him actually play basketball for the first time in what feels like forever last night was maybe my favorite takeaway. Toppin, Reeves, great seeing them. They're better than I expected right now. But just seeing C.J. Frederick run up and down the court freely after it was ripped away from him, we were there at the Champions Classic in New York with a fluke injury in warm-ups. To be where he is now, it's good. A uh, long time in coming for him, sure. Yeah. For sure. How, how often do you get a red shirt? They introduced him. <laughs> C.J. Frederick, redshirt senior, and he's a newcomer. Like, and, he's, and he has three more years of eligibility. He's going to be a super, super, super senior by the time his Kentucky career ends. So I think 
this is his last year of normal eligibility. Then he'll have the COVID year, and then he will technically have to apply for that eight, seventh <laughs> year medical red shirt or whatever it will be. But this guy's going to be like 35 years old with six doctorates and and just as many degrees and and accolades as you could possibly ask for for a basketball player. But uh, I mean, it's really unique to be a, a veteran the way he is while still being a newcomer. It's just a really weird dynamic, but one I'm, I'm sure Kentucky fans are grateful to, to have. Yeah, and on a roster where there's a lot of pieces we're excited about, but you still, I mean, the way the game's played now, there's still a little shooting question marks. Having him really, I mean, he's going to be the shooter. Reeves look good. Let's, let's keep giving him credit. But uh, uh, CJ's definitely the guy that's going to stretch the floor. To, to see him last night, even in that setting, that's not a real game, it's confident moving forward. Yeah, and, and you know, speaking of shooters, I, I want to give credit to Cason Wallace. He's a guy that wasn't necessarily known as that shooter, but uh, Drew, I thought his his form was very pretty, and I thought he was very confident taking those things. He was doing a lot of little things too. That was kind of my other big takeaway of this whole scrimmage was that they were actually trying. I remember last year that uh, players first fantasy players experience whatever they wanted to call it uh, at Transylvania it was you know they scrimmaged but it was not a scrimmage it was a full court layup line they were just throwing down ridiculous dunks and having a good time Uh, we didn't get to really see what what that team was last year ended up being very good but we just didn't get a real preview of that yesterday I thought they were getting after it they were you know diving for loose balls they were you know the ball was going out of bounds. They were jumping and launching it back in. Like they were seriously trying to put on a show in front of those fans. Uh, and I thought Casey Wallace was one of those guys that he was, you know, diving for loose balls. He was jumping the passing lanes, trying to get steals. You got to see that defensive intensity that everybody hyped him up to be. But I, I was more so impressed with his three-point shot. That was the one thing people just didn't know if he could bring that to the table. Uh, and and I thought his three-point shot looked looked, you know more than capable i'm so excited for case wallace like you said the three was like the only question mark to be his age and have the commitment to defense he does is not normal uh this summer went to frankfurt the camps you know you did most of my covered the one he did where we interviewed him and asked him like 18 years old high school blue chip it's not normal to have a commitment to defense and he said at a young age his dad told him like look most of the kids at these tournaments can score What's going to make you, Case and Wallace, and separate yourself from the pack is committing to stopping someone from scoring on you. And it's clear he takes that to heart, and it's just so unique for him. And then to add the other stuff, I, I didn't follow him closely in high school, but I watched that Jordan game, and he had an insane dunk, acrobatic play. I just think he's going to be a guy that can do just about everything that's asked of him, and he'll be a team player and willing because everything we've talked to him about to this point, he's showing that. Uh, and, you know, w- while we're talking about the freshman, I thought Chris Livingston, I was wanting to see a little more from him, I think. I like what he brought. You know, physically, he looked the part 6'7", 225-ish pounds. He looks like an NBA player right now. Uh, he had a couple of makes from three, but we really didn't get to see a whole lot of kind of, you know, baby LeBron is kind of what he's known for being the kid from Akron. They even introduced him as uh, just another kid from Akron or whatever. Uh, so we were waiting to kind of see that get downhill and use that big physical frame to go dunk on somebody's head I was wanting to see a little bit more from him but you know I was glad to see him make a couple uh, three-point attempts but uh, a guy that kind of stood out to me was a dude Thero who I've heard behind the scenes he's going through some growing pains physically because uh, he still continues to grow I've heard he's up to like six seven now and doctors are thinking he could get as, as big as six ten when all said when all is said and done and you're talking about a guy that I don't think the staff just really even knows what he is yet because he 
you know, what do you do with a guard? You know, a kid that grew up as a guard. You know, I, we've heard this story before as Kentucky fans. A kid that grows up as a guard has all the guard skills in the world, and then shoots up to six ten. Like, what do you do with that kid? What position is he? You know, what will he end up being? So I think there's a kind of a cautious optimism and excitement within the coaching staff about just what the heck a do Thero can be, and you got to see a lot of that on display uh, last night. He was, you know, not afraid to, you know, pick your pocket, jump the passing lanes, get some steals. He was just kind of wreaking havoc. You didn't get to see a whole lot from him offensively, uh, but he made his presence known in his short time on the floor. Uh, Adu Thero is a guy that I'm pretty excited about, Drew. Yeah, I think we all he realized he's a little longer term. No one's going to, you know, in the Gonzaga game, say put Thero in. But I was impressed just how he looked physically muscular. Like uh, for a guy straight out of high school, unranked, not much about him, looked like a dude that had been on campus for a while. And I found it interesting. We got to talk to uh, Coach O and Chen Coleman last week. And someone, I don't remember who, just gave a very general question to Chen Coleman. Like, what's just been your surprise this summer? Not leading him in any direction. And he named a dude just physically and athletically how he was even better than they expected, as you said still growing my goodness what could that end up being if it's anything like the player we're kind of hitting at in the past i hope the ending to the (laughs) kentucky uh storybook's the same way but uh, he's definitely a project you want to have on your bench yeah you know we breaking down the entire roster uh you know obviously oscar sheboy did oscar sheboy things savir wheeler did savir wheeler things i really liked you know his finishing ability at the rim he had a lot of crafty finishes and uh you know kind of was clearly wanting to embrace the i'm the veteran of this team i'm kind of the fan favorite uh, you know savir he was doing those pull-ups on the mm-hmm. rim there at the end and he was he was really trying to play along with the crowd and you know oscar sheboy is oscar and, and he, he hit that three-pointer but he did a whole lot uh, of the same stuff that we've seen from him he clearly looked like the same dominant player that we have uh, have known to love the only guy that we were really missing lance Ware was out due to injury cal didn't specify what that injury was yeah he did what what was that? The mom's boy. Oh, he said, yeah. <laughs> Cal came out and said, uh, yeah, we, we don't really want to talk about what it is. But he's a mama's boy, so he'll figure it out. So clearly not too worried about the uh, the injury future of Lance Ware. I, I don't think there's anything no. serious going on there. And Cal wouldn't be calling him mama's boy if it was something serious. That It's, you know, Cal in-game does a lot of yelling. That's his style. But just him and Ware with that little back-and-forth mama's boy he tells me they're on a good page and whatever Lance has going on is something they can be playful with. And the only other guy that was missing, Uganda Kingsley Onyenso, who just announced his commitment on Monday. Very excited about his addition. He will be joining the team on August 20th. He will not be making the Bahamas trip, unfortunately. That was something uh, that we had talked about on this show several times, that it's just too too complicated to get him on campus, get, you know, all of the – he's coming in as a, um, a as a foreign student. He's going through the same visa situation that Oscar did and getting him out of the country again and getting him back in while still trying to juggle you know the enrollment process and all that just it didn't didn't add up time wise so definitely looking forward to seeing him uh, get on campus here to close out August but to wrap up the show Drew just kind of what was that an evening like uh, just from a you know a donation perspective Kentucky raises over 2.4 million dollars I believe as of this show it's over three million dollars that they've raised now just a really cool telethon event that they put together on such short notice we got a couple big breaking news uh, segments as that event went on we we get a home-and-home scheduled with Gonzaga, and then we also get the blue-white game scheduled for, uh, I believe, Pikeville. It's what they're trying to do, but it's going to be somewhere in eastern Kentucky uh, to kind of raise awareness and money for uh, flood victims down there. Just a really cool idea that the Kentucky basketball team had. Uh, just kind of your thoughts on the evening and the news that came out of it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise Cal did a telethon in the team. I know this was player-led, especially with C.J. Frederick. He's not from Eastern Kentucky, but he has close personal relationships in Eastern Kentucky. I know how much that area means to him. But my brain just can't quit thinking about how, especially the guys that were on last year's team, Frederick, Toppin, Wheeler, Oscar, like they just did a telethon for Kentucky not even a year ago. That's not normal. Like These mm-hmm. guys move here to be part of this program, and they're on their second telethon. People shouldn't have to do two telethons in a lifetime, and they're on their second one in nine months. It's amazing they're doing it, and the response has been great. They didn't even get done passing out the money from the last one, but I just wonder what that does to these players, even Cal and everyone else emotionally. Like, that's just the stuff that this state has gone through, and they're thinking, well, here we are, we're called again. We have to step up and do this. And it's amazing that they've done it, but my brain just thinks, like, that has to be so just on their shoulders that in nine months they've done two telethons for opposite side of the states for very, very significant tragedies and devastation to Kentucky. Yeah, it'd be so easy for them to just be like, eh, we put all of our effort and we did, we did all the PR stuff necessary with the first de- you know, devastation. And, you know, the, it would have been so easy for them to just go, eh, we already went all in on one. We don't need, you know, we could send out some tweets and do we, all that. We built but, our goodwill yeah, already. Yeah, you, you already got all the good PR moves. It would have been very easy for them to just kind of, you know, say, eh, we'll leave somebody else to take care of this one. But no, the team went forward. C.J. Frederick was the one that kind of started the meeting and everybody else kind of rallied around him and said "Uh uh-uh this isn't going to happen we need to go all in with this the same way that we did for western kentucky with a tornado relief we need to go all in with this and the way it came together so quickly um, i mean and that's kind of the power of john calipari i know everybody there's been a lot of criticism of him lately and just kind of the uh, you know the the way last season ended and the way the whole season the the year before that went you know there's a lot of kind of backlash from the fan base and I think just in the way he has kind of rallied the last year in particular to do things like this and to spread awareness and, and use this platform for for genuine good uh, I mean this is this is what makes John Calipari special and why I don't think that there's anybody else out there could fill that seat the way that he has done yeah and with these telethons everywhere um, trying to think of how to word this because not to downplay anyone's generosity but a lot of times these numbers, it's a very wealthy wealthy donor is matched or a corporation. You know, you make one phone call and it covers a big part of that number. But Cal said earlier in the week, he's like, I just did that. I cannot do that again. I can't call my rich friends nine months later and ask again if this is going to have to be the fan base. Obviously, the fan base reacted like everyone expected. We learned through our tornado relief KSR, the amount of donations, individual donations, so much more impressive than a big donation. But Cal talking about, like, I can't call these people again. Then he tweets this morning that Anthony Davis called him. Yeah. He called Anthony Davis in December, said, hey, tornado hit. We need your help. This time he's like, I'm not doing it. But Anthony Davis in L.A. or wherever doing what he's got going on, probably the busiest man that can be right now, he hears about it and volunteers. It's like Cal doesn't even have to make those phone calls. This program and this culture, I hate even saying it because it's one of the Cal bingo cards, but the servant leadership, yeah. that's one of his bingo space, says it so much, but he, there really is something to that, that these guys that have been gone for years know that, hey, I have to be a part of this because this is bigger than just Kentucky basketball. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what makes Cal special. $350,000 from Anthony Davis. I mean, just absolutely absurd. Uh, just all of the, the all-in effort 
that that we get to see with this program. It's absolutely special, and we got to see that on full display last night. The T-shirts, the telethon, the fans wrapped around the building to get into this event. I mean, you, you can't stress enough just how many fans were there to witness that, to be a part of something sp- special. It was just a really cool event that I'm glad, uh, you know, personally that I'm glad that I was able to be a part of. I know you thought the same thing, but uh, what a heck of a way to get started with this Bahamas tour. I mean, just a, a perfect lead up. You, you do a really good thing, get our first glance at the team, then you get the Bahamas coverage next week, four exhibition games against professional teams and national teams down there. It's going to be a great experience. Uh, and then season's right right around the corner, Drew. I know that's something that uh, we're very, after the way last season ended, the, the poor taste that got kind of got left in our mouth after a very successful, productive season, uh, I, I think that the entire fan base is just ready to get back on that floor and kind of prove that yeah, we belong back in that national title conversation. And what we saw last night, I, I clearly think that this team's going to be in that conversation once again. Yeah, I've, I've closed the door on last year. It lingered longer than it should have. But it's a it's unfair and, and it's a disservice to the current team and what they're excited about and what they're training for to keep looking backwards. That was obviously painful, and we won a much better year. I will say uh, there'll be a lot more stock on the NCAA tournament this year. There's going to be a lot more of counting down to that. But it, to the to this team, it would not be right to keep bringing that up. And I'm excited about what I saw last night. I'm excited what I'm going to see next week in the Bahamas. To be honest, I'm surprised if they'll play because if I'm those other four teams, if I, if I saw that practice, I'm not showing up. But I, I think we're going to have an exciting basketball season, and it's 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 due with the way the last one ended. Well, with that, let's get the heck out of here. Thank you again for just to start with 200 episodes, 200 uh, shows of of listeners. The numbers continue to be absolutely phenomenal. We're grateful for each and every one of you. And more importantly, well, not more importantly, equally importantly, because everything is kind of an all in effort here with the show. We appreciate uh, each and every one of you. But special shout out to uh, our very phenomenal partners, Condado Tacos at the Summit of Fritz. Fritz Farm, unbelievable night here and our debut kind of kickoff partnership with them. Had a great night of tacos and margaritas and chips and queso and it was was just a great time. Uh, Definitely appreciate them and uh, uh, once again shout out Justice Dental. You guys have been there from the very beginning and uh, appreciate that partnership as well. So uh, with that we'll be back next time for the Jam Packed Sources Say Podcast. We will see you next. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.